we'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 7th, 2013. We're gonna, we've kind of covered a lot of the current events. Now we're going to get into some options regarding the day and times we're living in. These are some areas I really haven't covered in the past. And again, I'm going to give you kind of a, a, a lot of links to a lot of my older studies as we get into this regarding these things. We're going to be talking about bug out, locations, options, also some of the potential for pandemic, which has always been a big thrust of mine. And a lot of things that have happened just in the last week regarding that and some options you have there. This article came out. Now, this isn't the best article I've ever seen, but it, it gives you one perspective. And I'm going to give you some other perspectives after this. So, it says, Bug Out Time is Short, Where Should I Go? And it's this just article just came out on March 26. By now, most of us know that things are not right. You can feel it, almost like the feeling you get when you go outside and you, and you know it's going to rain. I am in Mexico, this particular person's in Mexico, and the idea of bugging out to a safe haven is foreign to most people here. Well, a lot, it's foreign to most people where, if you're in America or elsewhere as well. You get this blank stare. It, if you're like me, you have seen it yourself. Yes, I live in the largest expat, meaning expatriate, community in the world of Americans and Canadians with some very bright people. And we all know that when you start talking about things like floods, he's saying aliens, bugging out, and again, a lot of the other things that I've talked about today. Uh, he goes on to say, if you're like me, you've seen it yourself. Yes, I live... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm uh, catching up here. When you start think, talking about things like floods, aliens, bugging out, it's like people go deaf and you're crazy... And you're the crazy one at the table. Uh, obviously, then a lot of the other issues just that we brought up today, okay, in this particular study. I have consulted either directly or indirectly with many people. One listed offered his opinion that an old silver mine would be an excellent place for protection. Now, if you think the U.S. is somehow going to be safer, just look at the level of protection received by victims of Katrina and Sandy Hook. And again, the last place I'd turn to for any kind of protection would be the government at this point anymore. Um, that's just, no. <laughs> if, if, if you can avoid that at all costs, for obvious reasons. It is my understanding the U.S. government have known about this for a long time. And while Russians work to build underground protection for every man, woman, and child in Moscow, uh, in the U.S., it's the best-kept secret. They don't care about us, but they do care about the 170-plus underground facilities they have for themselves. And a lot of these are like cities. So what are our problems? Food, and I've reported on the underground, just key in underground in the keyword search box, uh, or DUMBS, D-U-M-B-S, uh, that's another acronym for those, um, in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, if you don't believe those exist. So, what are our problems? Food, water, shelter, safe place away from gangs that could take your life in food if they can find you. And I've talked about food recently as well. Uh, or the gang, the gang problem, if you're in any kind of urban environment, how that's going to play out. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty horrific scenario as well. So, as far as I'm concerned, being familiar with the landscape, actually I'm going to give you a link to that coming up. I'll, I'll tell you about that. As far as I am concerned, being familiar with the landscape here in Mexico is a better bet. 
Now, again, I'm not advocating going to Mexico, okay? Because I've, I've done many reports on Mexico and all of the satanic, unbelievably high crime and murder rate they're having down there, okay? I would imagine, though, if you were in the right area, that would be a different story. But not everybody has that option, you know, if, from a monetary standpoint, from a, you know... But I wanted to at least read this to you so you kind of have some perspective on the subject. Um... As, as a result of my conversations, it has come to me that Mexico has some of the best resources one could dream of for these types of situations. For me, my primary concern is cataclysmic weather and the effects of the sun. That's where he's really gearing up on. I would be more tended to gear up toward what the world government is overtly going to try to come in and do, as I've documented in the past. But it might be where... It is the cataclysmic weather that is the absolute main... And again, this is a big reason they've built all these underground facilities, the elite. So that they can protect themselves because they know what's coming from a cataclysmic event regarding weather. Whether it's earthquakes, you know, tsunamis, hurricanes, you name it, solar things going on. Who knows? Meteors, these types of things. Uh... <clears throat> Going further, for me, my primary concern is cataclysmic weather and the effects of the sun. Mexico has over 160,000 abandoned silver... No, I'm sorry, 1,600. I'm sorry, 160,000. That was good. 1,600 abandoned silver mines, some large enough to drive a car into, which are ideal for survival in the case of cataclysmic weather and are off the beaten path and known by very few. And you could probably potentially pick up one of these things relatively cheaply. I don't know. I am off tomorrow to one of these towns that nobody would look for unless they were lost. Some are referred to as ghost towns. I will check the availability of fresh water, conditions of the mine, and the procedure for getting food in and out. As I was scrolling through the page, I found that a hotel is about $100 a month in the dollar, U.S. dollars, a month in this area. And that's one of the advantages to a lot of these countries. Uh, the dollar, at least for now in certain situations, will go a whole lot farther than it, you know, down there than it would in the U.S. So that by itself opens yourself up to more options. Now again, I'm not necessarily advocating, it's just something to have in your thought process. Uh, maybe for future reference. Now, heard this guy interviewed on Alex Jones, and it was Atlas Survival Shelters. I have a friend of mine too in North Carolina, and he's going to be coming out with a line of... Um, shelters, and but he doesn't, I don't think he has his website up quite yet, and I can't really say anything more about that until he comes out, but these Atlas shelters, they were interviewed on Alex Jones, and um, I was very impressed on a lot of different levels by this interview. The guy seemed very sharp. He was very, very concerned about the privacy of the people purchasing these shelters from him. That was his well, and again, I'll just read you part of what's on their website. Keeping your shelter secret is our number one concern. That should be your number one concern as well, if you're going to consider buying one of these. We do not keep paper trails on any of our customers' locations and only accept wire transfers for payment. See, to me, this guy is sharp. He's in the know, and he knows what's important. Because if you put one of these things in the ground and they know exactly where you're at, 
that's it could be a potentially just worthless. It could be like a big grave that you're burying. You know what I mean? So uh, privacy in today's day and age, being as private as possible. Why is that? Well, look at all the things they're trying to do to strip away our privacy. If privacy wasn't important, why would the New World Order be doing everything possible to try to invade your privacy on every single level? That by itself should show you how important it is to be private. Okay? There's a book, How to Be Invisible by J.J. Luna. That's a very good book in some respects. It's a little bit general. It's not as specific as it needs to be. But it gives you, if nothing else, it gets you moving in the right direction. Okay, and there's a, there's a lot of other books um, in that regard. But anyway, let's go further here. Uh, all the photographs of people in the shelters were taken at trade shows, in other words, on their website. We do not reveal the names and locations of any of our customers. Atlas Survival Shelters is the is on the hit series Doomsday Preppers on National Geographic Channel and on a lot of other ones too. Look for our episode Prepared Not Scared where we we build and install a 10 by 50 foot corrugated pipe shelter for a customer in Florida and test the escape hatch. It's got an escape hatch in them, which not all shelters do. Atlas Survival Shelters are made of 10-foot diameter galvanized corrugated pipe, which is up to 11 times stronger than a square box shelter. Think about this. Have you ever seen a square submarine? No. Because when you have something round, the, the pressure put upon it, whether it's soil or water, it's compressing it in equally. Squares, there's weak points. A square shelter has is way weaker than something round. I remember when they did that um, experiment where they went to the bottom of the uh, Mariana Trench, the most, the farthest, the, 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 the deepest point in the Mariana Trench, like, I don't know, near 36,000 feet or something, deepest spot on Earth off the coast of Guam. The, the, the submarine, and this was done back in, I think, like the late 60s? It wasn't a submarine, it was like a ball. A total ball. And as it went down further, what happened is, is the seams in the metal ball that they were in just got tighter. It just, the water was pressing it in equally from all sides. And that's why it could withstand the pressures at those depths. Okay, that's the example here. Anyway, our pipe shelters can be buried up to 42 feet deep. That's amazing. 42 feet. That's a lot of soil on top of you. And have an estimated lifespan of 200 years. There is not a better uh, made pre-manufactured shelter on the market today than our corrugated pipe shelters, which are typically buried um, 10 feet underground, whereas a metal box shelter typically is only uh, 2 to 3 feet of earth on top. Keep in mind, the deeper the shelter is buried, the cooler it will stay in summer months. Now, that could be a big factor <laughs> if you're in a hot area. Our blast-proof pipe shelter is rated at 8 bars. Now, I don't know what that means. I know it's not 8 candy bars. Sorry, just kidding. 
teasing. Anyway, it's rated at eight bars, whereas a square metal box shelter is typically rated at two bars or 30 PSI. In other words, it's rated much, much higher uh, as far as being able to have pressure on top of it, in this case in the form of dirt. Square shelters make a fine temporary tornado shelter or a fallout shelter, but only for short term. Our pipe shelters give you the option to live in them indefinitely because the deep depth in which they are buried allows you to control the climate. Our shelters are built with the same care and quality materials as any new home. I mean, these things are like, you know, it's got something in there for to recirculate the air. It's got something in there, uh, probably some type of um, septic system underneath it so you can use the bathroom. Uh, if it was linked up to some type of well, I think it would be uh, mandatory. Then you'd have your water. The only thing, the, 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 to me, and again, I'm not sure how these things are running. I imagine it's all some type of fuel, which would obviously give you a finite amount of time you could live in it. Um, you know, all, all of the free energy stuff that they've suppressed, you know, to have some type of little free energy device in there that would power, oh my word, you'd have your own little underground, not city, but little underground house. That could literally be powered. And see, they've suppressed the free energy stuff so that we don't have access to it. So that we can't build something like this that would be totally purely, although this is off the grid, you know, you're still subject to whatever fuel source you've got to use in order to power the thing. That I don't know a whole lot about. But I wanted to at least put this out there. Of all the interviews I've seen out there, this guy seemed the sharpest. He seemed the most concerned about location. He seemed the most concerned about your privacy. He seemed the most concerned about getting it buried at the proper depth, which would also shield you better from an EMP attack or nuclear attack. A lot of different advantages of being buried deeper. It's corrugated pipe. It's much more stronger. See, if you just use straight metal and it doesn't have the waves in it, and this is like wavy metal, the waves in the metal increase the strength of it. That's where it, why it's so much stronger than just a circular tube or a box. When you have that wavy corrugated metal, it's gonna it's gonna withstand a lot more pressure. Okay, that's why they put the waves in it to make it stronger. Okay, so again, it's just and for the price, there's a lot of these shelters out there. You can't even look at them. You know, they're all hundred thousand and over. This is the one of the few I've seen that's quite a bit less. Um, the one my friend uh, is is um, Christian brother. In North Carolina, the one he's looking at doing is going to be even less than this one. So, um, but this one, I listened to the interview. I was very impressed with it, and uh, it it really. I, I think that if you have the money, if God so led you, okay, this would be a great way to go. I give you their their website, AtlasSurvivalShelters.com. I, I don't get anything for this. I'm just trying to help people. Um, our pipe shelters give you the option to live in them indefinitely because because of the deep depth in which they are buried allows you to control the climate. Our shelters are built with the same care and quality materials of any new home. Um, the website contains over 1,000 pictures of our shelter interior and installations, and you could get any of your questions answered there. So I just wanted, I wanted to at least throw that out there. Um, I also wanted to Go over this real quick. I just saw this the other day on a, one of the major alternative sites. Survival Retreat 
consulting. Now, here's another option. Okay, See, not all of us know what we're going to be doing. Uh, some of us, I think, God is literally waiting until it gets bad for that door to open. So then we go through it. We don't know what we're going to be doing. <laughs> okay? And I think that some of us that have lived on the razor's edge for a long time regarding issues like this, it's just the way, it's just the way God works with certain people. Some people may have all this planned out, know exactly what they're going to do ahead of time, have everything, have their bug out location, have all their stuff ready to go, gear just needs to be loaded, whatever, maybe the gear's already there. And they're just waiting for something like the sheriff thing, let I mention, or something like a martial law starting to be implemented. And then there's some of us that don't have that. And so I'm trying to give you a lot of different options to consider. And obviously this is an exhaustive. I've given you, uh, within the links that I will give you to some of my older teachings, I give you a whole lot more options okay, that I just don't have time to get into today because I've already covered that ground. And um, it's just crazy to recover it over and over again. It's just redundant. So this is Survival Retreat Consulting. Bug out, bag, packed, and ready. Check. Pistol and tactical flashlight on your belt. Check. Trauma bag and rifle in the trunk. Check. Gas tank. Always at least half full. Check. And then, realization that even if you made it out of the city during a cataclysmic scenario, you would have no place to take your family. Check. In other words, you have, you know, you don't know where you're going to go. That's why we specialize in survival retreats. Now, this is this particular company. In order to effectively bug out from the urban area during a socio-economic collapse, you need to have a fully self-sustainable survival retreat for off-the-grid living in the American Redoubt. Now, Ken, you know, this is, this is some serious money. <laughs> you know, it, I, I wish that every single one of my listeners had one of these or had access and were already pre-positioned ahead of time. And this is why that, that prayer that, that I've mentioned recently with Psalm 27, that for the Lord to make our paths plain because of our enemies. To open the doors no man can shut and shut the doors no man can open regarding these types of situations. Um, because we have to rely on the Lord for all of this. Um, anyway, this is a fully self-sustainable survival retreat for off-the-grid living in the American Redoubt. The American Redoubt consists of survival retreat property in Idaho, Montana, Eastern Washington, and Wyoming. Okay, and this is what they specialize in. This particular company, it's survivalretreatconsulting.com. I give you all the links in the PDF for this date, and that might be something else you might be interested in. I didn't know that company existed until the other day, and it was on a, you know, a alternative site I frequently visit. Here's some other things that I saw. This is from another um, website that has a lot of different things. Uh, the prepperjournal.com and I'm just going to go over these points and I'm not going to get into them but these are just links you can click on top five firearms you need to get your hands on now okay uh, again you don't do this out of fear but I mean if if this is something you're just getting convicted about and you're like I don't have any firearms well what's the top five to get and I would have to agree with what they say in the article um, next report prepping 101 communication options 
Okay, because that's also important. Because if you have to go away from your house, you want a way to communicate um, with, with where you're not broadcasting, particularly maybe your location, that type of thing. Um, there are options there. And the next report. The advantages of hydroelectricity, meaning water generating electricity. Uh, it's great if you can have that. Um, next point. Convert your mower, your lawnmower, into a survival generator. So, yeah, that's pretty neat. You can convert your mower into a survival generator. What about your electric toothbrush? Maybe you can convert that into a survival generator. Wouldn't power very much, but hey. Anyway, sorry, just kidding. Um, and then, next report. When society disintegrates, a pre- preview of what may be coming to your city. Now, I got into that in the link that I did on prepping, the mega prepping that I'm going to give you the links for later as well, but this is, this is another take on that. Um, next link, the many benefits of raising chickens. And um, next link, the pros and cons of bartering. Next link, how to hide your money, where the bankers won't find it. I wish, there, I wish we weren't in this situation where there were so many things to, to consider. And I know this can be so incredibly overwhelming, and I'm not... You know, listen, you do what the Lord Jesus Christ convicts you and convicts you to do. Pray about this stuff, fast about it if you need to. Um, I'm just here to give you options. I'm not here to say, you've got to do this, or the world's going to stop spinning and you're going to die. I'm not saying that, because the Lord Jesus Christ can take care of you, you know, in the wilderness and have the birds come and feed you if, if it comes down to it. You know, but I also want to try to equip my listeners so that they have their options and maybe... Some of these things you've been praying about or looking about, and, and maybe one of the links will fill a need for you. So the next one, 12 survival items you may have overlooked. And then the last one, surveillance and counter-surveillance, a key prepper skill. A lot of the stuff I don't even know about. Okay, I'm not saying like, you know, I know every, I, I have a hard time because I'm constantly focused in on the ministry, and I'm not doing a lot of the things I really feel like I'd like to be doing. But I feel like I still have to keep doing this with this ministry up until the point where I can't do it anymore. I feel like that's why God put me here on the planet for this time that I'm living in. And I don't feel like I can go off and just all of a sudden take a month off and devote it just to looking at all these issues. I just... My conscience won't let me do it, essentially. So... Um, a lot of this stuff I would love to get more up to speed on. And I've got a lot of the books, I haven't read them. I've got a lot of the DVDs, I haven't watched them. You know? And so, um, we're all in different stages of things. Now, I give you here the links to my three-part teaching I did on uh, September 23rd of last year, entitled End Time Preparedness Prepper Mega Study. And I give you the PDF link as well. That's going to cover a lot of bases there as well. A lot of the links above will cover a ton more bases. Um, now, let's go ahead and switch gears again and kind of start to go a little bit more into the health issues. I had this email from a listener named Grace, and she said, Dr. Johnson, since I emailed you, I've awesomely stumbled across the mineral boron and some of the works of Dr. Newman and have found much relief with my pain. I saw my own arrogant doctor yesterday, and he asked me what I was taking for the pain, and I told him boron. He replied that he had never heard of that, and seemed, it's, you know, trace mineral, and seemed mystified that something 
like that would be effective. Oh, yeah, because we the reason that we have pain is because we're deficient in ibuprofen. Didn't everybody know that? That's why we have pain, because we have an ibuprofen or an Advil deficiency. When we get headaches, it's because we have an aspirin deficiency. That's why. And by taking the aspirin, you're correcting that aspirin deficiency, therefore the headache goes away. No, that's not... All the, all the drugs do is mask over the problem and let the underlying problem continue to fester, essentially. So, he replied he had never heard of that and seemed mystified that something like that would be effective and promptly told me to take Advil. What a slime bucket. It's working. It's natural. It's cheap. It's effective. It works. Stop what you're doing and take Advil, you moron. How dare you go against me? You, who, who do you think you are? You're not a doctor. I wear the white coat. I have the magic prescription pad. You peasant. Who do you think you are? That's how they treat a lot of their patients. I know. I've worked with MDs. I actually worked with some MDs that were way cut above better because they were, they were open alternative health stuff in the past. So the guys I worked with, they weren't, uh, most of them weren't like this. Okay. I'm not saying they were perfect, but then again, neither am I. But this is just so typical. It's working. It's natural. Stop taking it. Take, take Advil. He also tacked on that Advil was safe. My comment, total satanic ignorance. Pharmacia brainwashing by the MDs. Here's my here's an article. Ibuprofen kills more than pain. So what's the alternative? Take ibuprofen as an example. The, this petrochemical derivative, it's a derivative of the petrochemical industry, which is definitely a reason why we should be putting it in our bodies, um, has been linked to significantly increased risk of a heart attack and increased cardiac and all-cause mortality. Hey, where do I sign up? You take it, you get increasingly increased risk of heart attack, increased cardiac and all-cause mortality, especially when combined with aspirin. With over two dozen serious side effects, including, here's just six of the two dozen, anemia, DNA damage, oh, imagine, oh, that's good, hearing loss, hypertension, influenza mortality, in other words, it lowers your immune system, and miscarriage. Well, that way they can depopulate the earth quicker. All part of the New World Order agenda to create a dumbed-down, sick, weak, sterilized populace. Objective achieved. Ibuprofen is, in fact, not unique in elevating cardiovascular disease risk and or mortality. The entire category of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs, appear to have this unrecognized dark side. Of the 100 unintended adverse health effects, no, it's not unintended, it's, it's totally intended. But that's what the people write in the article. Of these 100 intended adverse health effects, I'm going to take the un out of there because... Um, associated with their use, cardiovascular disease and cardiac mortality score highest on the list. So yeah, just be on ibuprofen. You'll, you'll live probably 10, 20 years less than you'd normally live, but hey, you, at least you're pain-free. Going back to this, this listener's uh, email, I added that part in, okay, after he said Advil was safe. I had to add that part in. 
She says, I've been doing a cocktail of boron, vitamin D, magnesium, etc., and would have been in extreme amount of pain without them. It's working for her, man. Now, I will add into this, if you have got joint degeneration or disc degeneration. Now, if you got no cartilage in your knees, this isn't going to really help with that. Because you got bone on bone, you got nothing to regenerate. But it has been proven in double-blind studies that glucosamine sulfate will regenerate knee cartilage. And I know that stuff, chondroitin and glucosamine sulfate, will have a very positive effect on regeneration. And I believe it's very good for discs and very good for... Um, now, the problem is, is the glucosamine sulfate they've got out there, most of it is... Um, uh, shellfish-derived. There are glucosamine sulfates out there which are non-shellfish-derived. And particularly if you're allergic to shellfish, you want to stay away from those. And shellfish aren't the greatest anyway because they're bottom feeders and mercury tends to get into its into their systems because they feed on all the garbage falling to the bottom of the ocean. So, the best would be the non-shellfish-derived glucosamine that's available. Conjoint sulfate and these types of things. Anyway, very, very good at regenerating knee cartilage. Also, manganese, the trace mineral manganese, not magnesium, but manganese, is very, very good for ligament, tendon, connective tissue strength, and also incredibly important to help hold chiropractic adjustments in place. If you're one of those people that can adjust yourself and you have real sloppy joints, and you need manganese. That was the key that I found in chiropractic, that if I put my patients on it, they didn't need to come see me anymore. Usually within one to two weeks, I didn't see them. I had hundreds of patients I hardly ever saw. Whereas all the other chiropractors out there saying, well, you need to be seen three times a week for, for, for um, the first four months, and then two times a week for that. Yeah, you know why? Because that's what they're trained in those stinking greed-driven seminars and in the chiropractic colleges that I went through. That you need to do. Why? To generate maximum income. And if you're not on manganese, you probably, you maybe, you maybe might need that type of frequency. I don't know. Depends on your injury level. It's, it's all about making money. Bottom line. That's why a big reason I got out of the chiropractic profession. I had hundreds of patients I hardly ever saw. And then I saw this gigantic need here. And where I was at in Florida, I mean, there was like a hundred and, 20 or 30 chiropractors in Lee County alone? Where I was at? I'm like, yeah, what this county needs is Jeff, definitely another chiropractor. Like a dime a dozen. And I thought, isn't this more, isn't this more important, starting a ministry like this? Because there was very few people, and still are very few, ministries trying to have a biblical balance, presenting end-time current events, and trying to give you options and so that you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge and options about things you can do. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm the only one on the planet. I'm just saying there wasn't very many and there still aren't. And I really believe a lot of that has to do with these ministries being yoked up with the government and their 501c3 tax exemption and they're beholden to the government and the IRS and they're, they're going to just cower. A lot, of, a lot. I think there's a spirit that comes over these ministries where they just cower. And they don't get into the issues that, you know, they don't warn, warn the flock. They don't want to have any kind of watchman role. They just want to preach about the love of God and that type of thing. Well, I saw that there was a more tremendous need. And a lot of it, I still do talk about the health stuff. So, um, 
Anyway, the manganese and the glucosamine, that's another thing. Huge. I take manganese and the glucosamine every day. I didn't. I would be an absolute total wreck. Wreck. If I didn't do those things. I couldn't hold my chiropractic adjustments in chiropractic college at all. I could get adjusted three times a day and need more. That's why they'll say, oh, well, chiropractic's addictive. Once you go, you got to keep going. If you're low in manganese, yes. And then the glucosamine is another issue. If you've got any kind of degenerative previous injury effects, I would add in the glucosamine as well. Okay, it's, it's huge. Now, this boron vitamin D magnesium is a whole other thing. The boron, I've been doing that as well, and I do think it makes a difference. I really do. I think it's very, very beneficial. I take magnesium and D as well, but I think it's very beneficial uh, in this protocol, particularly the boron. Magnesium is also awesome. So, um, I have kept hope alive that the rheumatoid arthritis could possibly be a deficiency, deficiency disease and that the nutritional antidote has not yet been discovered or that I have not just run across it yet. Like beriberi and vitamin B, scurvy and vitamin C, rickets and vitamin D, meaning these are, these are disease processes that are just vitamin deficiencies. Rickets, it's totally cured by vitamin D. Scurvy, totally cured by vitamin C. Real vitamin C. Okay, not ascorbic acid, which is what the government says it is. Key in synthetic in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com. I believe I've done studies on synthetic versus natural vitamins. Okay, the difference between them, huge difference, real important. It's, in other words, it's like, okay, here's the way God put it on the planet, and here's the way man has adulterated it and said, no, no, this is what God intended. No, it's not, devil. Just leave what God's done here alone in the form of food. I recommend food state or food type tablet nutritional products. Things that are derived from whole foods. Okay, that's what you want to stick with. Not the synthetic garbage, which are just one notch above a drug and are made in a pharmaceutical setting anyway. Okay, so she goes on to say, it's amazing and horrific to see the devastating effects of deficiencies of such small elements. It's very scary to think I go out of my way to eat healthy, avoid sugar, which I think is a processed form of poison. She's right. And can still suffer things like acne, arthritis, and goodness knows what else because I don't know the soil content of where my food comes from. One of the best things I've seen for acne, just so you know, is choline. Um, I like the combination of choline and AF-beta food by standard process. It's an incredible... Liver, gallbladder detoxification will also dissolve. It. Choline will specifically defat your liver. Def, everybody, almost everybody walking around that they've done autopsies on recently, particularly in America, has a fatty liver. Okay, a fatty liver is a very inefficient liver on its way to real bad things down the line. Choline defats the liver. It also dissolves any gallstones that you might have. And everybody's got them. I was in dissection for a year in chiropractic college. Every single human cadaver that I went up to, I checked. They had a sack full of gallstones. Every one. These people that donate their body to science, which I don't advise. Every one of them had a sack full of gallstones. Which also makes things very, I mean... 
from a digestive standpoint, that's where bile is stored, which is what emulsifies fat. And it's a very bad thing to have going on in the initial processes of digestion in the stomach. Very bad. You're, you're, you're just starting off on a horrific foot. And if the gallstones get big enough or, or infected or whatever, if the, fatty, if the gallbladder does, gets infected, then you're going to have a gallbladder ectomy and you're never going to produce bile in enough quantities to digest or emulsify fats ever again. But they'll say, oh, it's this stupid vestigial organ you really don't need, kind of like your tonsils and your appendix, which that's all lies, too. Those are very important. God put them there for a reason. But they'll tell you that, because they're the MDs and they know best. Gallbladder's incredibly important. If you've had your gallbladder removed, you should be taking bile salts for the rest of your life. Bile salts. You cannot produce enough bile on command if you eat a fatty meal. If you eat any kind of moderate to heavy fat meal, you should be taking bile salts if you've had your gallbladder removed. Well, why? What does it matter? Because if you don't digest your fats properly, they go rancid in the gut. And you have to have good fats in order to make all your hormones. Cholesterol, the sterile portion of cholesterol, these good fats, like high-density lipids, you have to have the sterile portion of cholesterol in order to make all the hormones in your body. But I thought cholesterol was wicked and evil and comes from the pit of hell. Well, it does. No, just kidding. No, you have to have it to make all your hormones. It's just demonized by the MDs who want to get you on Lipitor and Crestor and all these cholesterol-lowering drugs that totally shut off CoQ, CoQ10 production, which totally sets you up for heart attacks, shuts down your liver. These are called statin drugs. Lipitor and Crestor are called statin drugs. You know what the word statin means? To stop. You're stopping the production of cholesterol. You're stopping the production of CoQ10, and to a certain extent, you're shutting down the liver, and you become this toxic waste dump. Your liver is one of the chief organs of detoxification of the body. And it's being attacked now more than ever because they're trying to kill us in literally, most likely, thousands of ways. What they're doing in the water, the air, the food, you name it. You need to have a healthy functioning liver. So, I've gotten into the, a lot of this stuff in the past. Key maybe liver or detox in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. A lot of that's, I believe, already online. A lot of like the liver, the liver, doc, liver detox you can do where you take choline for like a week or two and then you do the liver detox. That's the way I advise doing it. Um, it's an ongoing thing though. I'm doing detox every single day because I know that even if you're even if you try to eat organic, you know there's still there's still the chemtrails you're dealing with and and so much many other things. You have to live like the boy in the bubble or whatever to avoid everything and have all your food like literally grown underground in some type of hydroponic environment where there's no pollution introduced in order to do this. It's impossible. And praying, when you have your food, pray over it. Because the Bible says that that sanctifies your food. I believe there's a, there's a literal thing that, that God can do to protect your food. 1 Timothy 4, verse 2 and 3. Read it. Food sanctified. So I believe that's, that's a whole other thing. I don't think you could say, Oh Lord, please uh, bless and sanctify this food to my body, this deep fried Twinkie. 
oh yes, it's gonna, it's gonna, or, or what? You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, you know. <laughs> I understand that there's there's time everybody you know indulges or whatever, but uh, I mean, okay, it doesn't give you an excuse to eat like garbage all the time either by doing that. So let's. I've done foods on the wisdom of, of the Levitical dietary guidelines. You can key that in. Um, blood and meat, that's another big one. You can key that in. Um, so anyway, I've done a lot of studies on a lot of these subjects. Anyway, let's go back to the main article, or the main letter that I got here. Um, let's see here. Uh because I don't know the soil content of where my food comes from, that information is just as important, if not more, than the current nutrition label. Why would she say that? Because the food, or in this particular case, the plants, are only as good as the soil it's grown out of. If the soil's dead and depleted, which is the case for totally anything non-organic, then the plant's only as good as the soil it's grown out of, essentially. Where's it going to get the minerals if it's not in the soil? All they're spraying on the plants to get them to grow anymore is NPK, a synthetic nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, which is what NPK stands for. It'll get a plant to grow, but there's nothing in it. And if there's nothing in it and you eat it, well, how are you going to get the trace minerals? You know? Weak link in the chain. If you ever decide to research the subject, you will see Dr. Noonham's study on Jamaica and Israel. Approximately 70% of Jamaicans had arthritis of some type at the time the study was taken. And the Israelis had about 1% arthritis. The Jamaican soil was highly deficient in boron as well as other minerals as well. And the Israeli soil had plenteous amounts of perhaps the world's uh, of boron, perhaps the largest amount in the world. The Israelis had 1% arthritic incidence, the Jamaicans had 70%. And the difference, the main difference that they could detect was the boron, there was a high boron content in the soil in Israel, and incredibly low content in Jamaica. Wow. That's huge. But don't quote me on the last part. M- Mr. Newman cured himself in a matter of weeks with one reoccurring bout, a child with juvenile arthritis, and he cured some sheep and also helped humans in various amounts. When I later saw a horse treatment from Pat Colby that stated, quote, at the time, it was not known that a lack of boron, as well as an imbalance in the feed, was the cause of arthritis, and the cure took several weeks. Now, I'm not, I don't know, I don't know if by taking boron you're going to reverse bone spurs. I can't see how it's going to reverse joint degeneration. Like if you had stage 3 disc degeneration with arthritic spurs in the lumbar spine, I can't see how it's going to reverse that. I don't know though. I've never seen a study on boron with chiropractic, but I know something. It sure can hurt. And if you you add in a good glucosamine product, glucosamine chondroitin product with some manganese into that and like she said maybe some D3 and um, um, magnesium Uh, innate's got a good one called bone response that has a little bit of all this in there it doesn't have the glucosamine but it has um, the magnesium the boron the D and these types of things some combination products maybe you could kill some 
where you're not having to take so many products, because I know that's a huge thing for patients I've seen in the past. You start to give above a certain amount of products, and they're like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Unfortunately, you know, I get people email me, and they're wanting to know, well, how do I, and I'm like, I'm really sorry, but it's, you know, here's my protocol. And I'm sorry, I'm not the one that invented the protocol. These are all things that are contributing factors. And it's a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of pills. But if you've got a lot of damage, a lot of times it takes a lot of effort in order to reverse something from a health standpoint. Rome wasn't built in a day. You didn't get that way in a day. It may have taken you 20, 30, 40 years to get in the shape you're in. And so many times people just want to take one pill and have it reverse overnight. A drug can take you out of pain, but it's not going to fix anything. And it's the mindset, unfortunately, a lot of Americans and people elsewhere are in because we've been brainwashed into that. Burger King, I want to have it my way now mentality. Doesn't work that way. The body does not work that way. I'm not saying God couldn't instantly heal you, but that's about as close as you're going to get. <laughs> you know, and God doesn't typically work that way most of the time. He can, but he doesn't. Okay, because you reap what you sow. And a lot of times, this is why we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. We might have been putting something into our body, like NutraSweet, for a ton of years, which is a total beyond neurotoxin. Horrific, one of the most horrific things you could possibly put in your body. Well, I thought it was good because it was zero carb. You're killing yourself with every little blue packet or pink packet or yellow packet, Splenda, Saccharin. It's, they're all horrific. They're all part of the New World Order's plan to kill you, to cripple you, to debilitate you, and to take you out and to make you a wick, sickly, sickly soul dependent on Big Brother. All by design. Every bit of it. So, uh, I knew that I was barking up the right tree. No pun intended. Get it barked tree anyway. Um, because I knew that the horse's nutrition and health are treated way better, and in my opinion, more seriously than humans. And a lot of times they are. We treat our cars better, we treat our animals better a lot of times than we would treat ourselves. Now, comment, my comment. I put some extra material in here you can click on and read at your leisure. Because we all have such leisure time now. I actually have a leisure suit. It's a Polynesian leisure suit. It's a special one, you know, that I like to wear when I go to the country club and hit the links, dogleg right, you know, whole nine yards. Yeah, I wear my Polynesian leisure suit out and kind of wow the, the crowds. Just kidding, teasing. I just made that whole thing up. Anyway, so we have the Borax Conspiracy, Big Pharma's latest ploy to outlaw the Borax, or Boron, Borax actually is boron. You're going to see. I'm not going to say a whole lot more about it than that. But when you read these articles, they're going to be kind of mind-blowing on the whole boron thing. Um, next report. What boron can achieve for you? Okay. This is why I'm not just giving you one article where you have to put all your eggs in, in like one basket about the subject. Uh, next one. The wonder of boron. See, I sit in my bed at night and wonder about the wonder of boron. Just kidding. Um, anyway, the wonder of boron, and there's a link to that. Now, there's a few different articles here. I, I, I highlighted the top one because I think it's the most comprehensive 
kind of gives you what it does for you, the research they've done. And again, it's just one of those things that, that has been suppressed. Um, okay, let's go. Now we're going to kind of shift gears again and go into our next subject. Okay, so moving right along. Uh, these just came out this week, um, few, four days ago. Bird flu strain appears to have mutated to infect mammals. In a worrisome sign, a bird flu in China appears to have mutated so that it can spread to other animals, raising the potential for a bigger threat to people. Scientists said Wednesday in the wake of illnesses, the Chinese Center for Disease Control shared the genetic sequence of the H7N9 virus with other scientists to help study how the virus might behave in different animals and situations. One scientist said the sequence raises concerns about the potential global epidemic, but that it's impossible to give precise estimates on how likely that is. So, again, we're seeing now a lot of the stuff with bird flu coming up again. Bird, ne- next report, bird flu, death cause scramble to probe virus's source. Health officials are scrambling to investigate a deadly new bird flu strain in China, H7N9, that has left two men dead and a woman fighting for her life. But so far, more questions than answers have emerged. Uh, Is this the front edge of a major pandemic or just another blip on the world's increasingly powerful radar for a newly emerging virus? One worry is that the H7N9 would become the H5N1. Now, the H5N1 was was the strain I talked about in the, the Prophecy Club tour I did back in 06. Unfortunately, the video of that's not available on YouTube anymore. Prophecy Club always comes across and gets people, I think, for copyright infringement. N- nothing like rationing the bullets, you know? Nothing like rationing the bullets. You can't have any free content out there. You need to pay for it, you know? We would rather you be totally uninformed um, about this particular life-saving presentation, um, you either pay for it or totally be uninformed, because that's what's important, that we're getting paid. Anyway, sorry. Um, I don't have my ministry set up that way. I try to give everything away for free, okay, pretty much, that we can give away. The, the, The USB flash drives are done by my listener in Australia, and he's just basically covering costs on a lot of these things, doing this. And um, I'm not saying that I'm not benefiting from that in any way, shape, or form, okay? But from the standpoint of what you're getting in that all the studies we've ever done, totally updated, and we plus all kind of other bonus material, you know. And essentially, the vast main reason, the whole thrust of that is so that people can have that information in one small flash drive that if things if the internet goes down or whatever and you still have access to your computer but you may not have access to your internet you'll still have all those pdfs all those teachings in one spot so again the track that i have on the website that i don't benefit from that at all that's a company doing that a listener came up with that design and the company that prints those i have nothing to do with that at all so we're just trying to get the word out more than anything. So, going further, um, one worry is that the H7N9 strain could become like the H5N1, which was the one we heard about primarily back in 06. The most famous of the avian flu strains that emerged in Hong Kong in 1997. That's the H5N1. Now, let's keep moving forward here. 
Government scientists creating more deadly bird flu virus. Are you prepared if it gets out? For some preppers, a common motivation to become prepared is the risk of a biological outbreak of some disease with a high mortality rate and aggressive transmission vector. They fear, and with good reason, that if a disease gets out into the open, society will quickly fall and the grid will collapse under the weight of so much death and suffering. This is a whole other factor that could just institute martial law and could also come in combination with a lot of the other things I said today, or could be the linchpin for a lot of the other things I said today, like them going after the sheriffs, them declaring martial law, them confiscating firearms, them confiscating your bank accounts. This could be the linchpin for all that happening. So going further here, uh, this fear certainly seems plausible with events over the past decade of aggressive strains of viruses, but so far we have been relatively protected from any major outbreak. Tuesday in The Independent, we have learned the following. A group of leading scientists has urged President Obama's advisors to investigate the ethical issues raised by a decision to create a highly infectious strain of bird flu virus that could be transmitted easily between people. So again, under this devil's watch, we've got these uh, the decision to create a highly infectious strain of bird flu that could be transmitted easily between people. Now, that when, when I did the tour, that was the one thing that hadn't occurred. Meaning, easily transmissible, particularly airborne. Like, person sneezes, the other person inhales, whatever, the virus that's airborne, and now they're infected. That had not happened back in 05, 06, even up till now. You had to have physical contact with typically an animal that was infected in order for the human to get infected. And unless the human had physical contact with another human, that they weren't going to transmit the bird flu, okay? Which had over 60, and still does have over a 60% kill rate. The H5N1. It's virulent, really bad stuff. Well, now in the lab, and we reported on this last year, and I think we're going to talk about it a little bit here, They've already, they've created it so it's easily transmissible between people. They've already got that strain now. It's just in the lab waiting to be released for the benefit of humanity and the global population depopulation agenda. So yeah, it's already been created. The scientists, who include a former UK government chief scientist and a Nobel laureate, said that it is morally and ethically wrong to create a new type of influenza virus in the laboratory that is more lethal and transmissible than what actually exists in nature. And there's a good chance that the H5N1 was created in the lab anyway. They just hadn't tweaked it to the point where it was easily transmissible, human-to-human, airborne. They also stated the accidental, not to mention purposeful, release of an artificial, laboratory-generated, human-transmissible H5N1 virus into the community has the potential to cause a global pandemic of epic proportions that would dwarf the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic that killed over 50 million people, and that's probably very conservative. 50 million people is probably is probably double or triple that, easily. Okay, and that was created... Who are the ones that got infected? The people that got vaccinated. I give you testimony after testimony of people saying people that were hale and hearty one day in the midst of the 1819-1819 Spanish flu epidemic were dead the next from what appeared to be black death after they got vaccinated. 
That was the linchpin, the vaccinations. And it'll be the same thing today. So, um, this is coming. They're going to play this card at some point. You know, and it's just a matter of time. I am absolutely amazed. I didn't think we were going to get out of 2006 before, but God in his mercy has prevented it. Because I truly believe that if the Illuminati had their way, we would have been all in whatever situation we were in in 1984. Just like George Orwell. That was their plan, 1984. Well, God in his infinite mercy has allowed us grace and mercy so that we're we're here we are in 2013 and it still hasn't been implemented yet but i thought back in 06 i thought i, I don't think we're getting out of this year i did it i think in may may april of 06 i did that tour and i was doing that in large part because i felt convicted by the lord to warn people maybe it had something to do with stemming the tide in, in some small way, hopefully, I, I, I was allowed to contribute to that. But I'm um, not blowing my own horn. I'm just saying the Lord put me in that position where I could do it through him. And so, this is coming again. Spanish 18, uh, the Spanish flu of 18, 18, 18, 19 is coming back. Uh, in the form, most likely, I believe, it will still be H5N1. And now they've already got, they've already got the human-to-human transmissible version. <laughs> Uh, there's really not a whole lot more other than the final green light from Satan to do this. Now, God, he, Satan has to get permission, I believe, from God to do this. Okay? But we could be very much on the cusp of that. This is important because the high mortality rate of H5N1 virus, um, the high mortality rate, if infected, the death rate is, they're saying 60. Um, from my research, it was over 60. So if you get it, it's pretty much a 60% chance you're going to die. Now, again, I think that has everything to do with what you're taking and how your immune system is functioning. But to date, there has been such a low transmission from infected birds to humans, we have been spared a significant outbreak. Um, Not intent to leave well enough alone, scientists from the Erasmus Medical Center in Rotterdam in the University of Wisconsin-Madison, succeeded in 2011 of mutating, again, I reported on this, mutating the H5N1 avian flu virus so that it could, that it could in theory, be transmitted through the air between people. See, that's the key, through air between people. This, theoretically, makes it much easier to contract, more deadly, and much more likely to cause death. Why is this research being allowed? Well, so that they'll have the bug and that when it gets out by government decree, by government black op government command, oh, wow, we, you know, just, it happened and, and they broke into our lab facility and stole it and these terrorists got it. These, they probably they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll bill them as like, you know, born-again, Bible-believing, uh, constitutional, God-fearing, Second Amendment pro-lifers got in there and... and you know, got the bird, the most virulent form of blue bird flu the, the uh, world's ever known, and said that they were commanded by their God to release it on humanity as punishment for... <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that would probably be the cover story or something, you know? So, again, this is what we're dealing with in this age of insanity. Um, anyway, these uh, these high-security labs, you say, are they very... are They are very safe. How about how they handle these viruses? But it was just last week that a bioterror lab in Galveston, Texas, lost 
five small plastic vials of an obscure, obscure deadly virus called Goranito. Goranito? Anyway. Um, yeah, that just happened last week in Galveston, Texas. They did not, it says they did not consider this a public health threat or a potential theft, though. <laughs> okay, thank you. The world according to Satan. Uh, it said they didn't consider a killer virus getting out in who knows whose hands a health threat with a question mark. Ah, that's just par for the course, you know? Why, 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 you know, why strain it gnats and swallow camels? I mean, it's no big deal. It's just a deadly, killer, obscure, potential virus. You know, it's no big deal. Uh, without going too far into the realm of conspiracy theory, uh, which in cases like this look like conspiracy fact, what can you do to prepare yourself and your family for the event of a biological outbreak like H5N1 virus? Uh, number one, plan for personal protection. Most biological viruses pass through the air, direct contact, or bodily fluids. So, protective gear that will minimize the potential of coming into contact with these pathogens is an important consideration. At minimum, you should consider a respiratory or a mask. Uh, protective clothing, I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as well get a decent gas mask, because then you're going to cover a lot of bases. Okay, uh, Protective clothing to include eye protection, gloves... Uh, footwear, and potentially decontamination options. In our article explaining our rationale on why everyone should consider a gas mask, now there's a link to that, as part of your preparation, we mentioned some options, but you can obtain protection from, uh, you can obtain protection from a less confining option. Tyvek suits, or coveralls, are really cheap considering their use. You need to shop around, but you can find Tyvek coveralls for around $8 each. There's a link to that, so that's Pretty economical there. Uh, or if you want to be really prepared and save on the per suit cost, you can buy them in bulk. Uh, you can find these online or even at your local hardware store. Respirators are available in all shapes and sizes from the lower end N95 masks to full face protection masks with interchangeable filters. Uh, and then plan to protect your home. Now, there's links to all these things that we're talking about, so you can click on them if you want to know more about them. In the event of a biological outbreak, we may be required to stay in our homes or shelter in place. The simple act of removing yourself from contact with society may reduce your risk of exposure to the virus. So planning to stay in your home for an extended period of time should be a consideration. I agree. Uh, some items to consider. Make sure you have an adequate food storage supply to last you through the outbreak. Um, make sure you have water and adequate methods of dis disinfecting water you and your family will need to drink. Those water bob things they've got now that you could put in a bathtub. Now, I understand that's, you know, top water, but it's water, and you could, you know, have that. Um, also having bottled water on hand or one of those rain barrels, these types of things. Obviously, a lot, also, a lot of people don't, aren't aware that if it got down to it, like, and you just didn't have any water, there's always water available in the hot water tank of your house that you can drain. Now, it's not going to be the best, but if you had a filter, if you had, like, some type of, uh, life straw or, uh, life straws are great, too, because you can, you know, if you were in a creek or something and you were on the run and you could literally, you know, use that in that particular application, um, or if you had like a ProPure, those new ProPures with the, with the fluoride filters that actually get out fluoride and the 
sodium fluorosilicate or whatever, that the really nasty form. Uh, those are awesome. But, you know, there's portable ones, there's not so portable ones. It depends on your situation. Anyway, I wanted to throw that in about the water heater. Because uh, that could be the potential lifesaver. You know, just remembering that one little thing. Uh, purchase large rolls of heavy plastic and duct tape to seal windows, doors, and vents if necessary. Cheap and great idea. You know, things you could do. You could have you could have one room in your house that would be called a safe room. That you, I mean, it's not like you have to do this to the whole house. There's typically they say you bunker down in one room and seal the windows and these types of things. Um, the lower, probably the better, particularly if it's in summer because you know it might get really hot. So that could be another consideration as well. Um, basement would tend to be cooler in the summer because it's, you know, somewhat underground. So going further, consider pets and how they will go to the bathroom. Ooh, that could be a bad consideration. Um, Plan for entertainment during any situation where you will be confined for long periods of time. Um, I recommend hand sock puppets, a bevy and variety of Kukla, Fran, and Ollie-like Hand sock puppets. But that's just me. I'm, I'm funny that way. You know. Anyway, just kidding. Um, anyway, so that's something to consider. Ensure that you have at least a month's extra medication for anyone who requires medicine for their daily use. Well, yeah, okay. But hopefully, I mean, try to get anyway. Try, if at all possible, to wean yourself off as many meds as you can. Uh, hopefully, I've given you some ideas today. Uh, Anyway, and then plan for sanitation. Make sure you have plenty of hygiene and sanitation items on hand. Uh, they've got them now where, like, three, four, five-gallon bucket with a literal um, toilet seat on top that literally uh, snaps on to the five-gallon bucket. One of them's called, like, a luggable loo, and I don't know. Uh, and make sure you've got, like, the stuff for them as far as, like, sanitation, you know, to keep the smells down. And, I mean, these things have covers on them, but these are things to consider. If you're in a confined space, okay, you're going to be really, really, really happy that you devoted some extra little... And these aren't things that cost a ton of money here, we're talking now. I mean, some of the stuff, you know, like underground shelters like I was talking about earlier. I mean, we're talking some serious money, but some of these things are, are very, very, very reasonably priced. And you're not going to break the bank doing this stuff, okay? Anyway, um, you know, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Okay, and that's one of the Bible verses that talks about this. So these are just a few items to consider, but for each person there are numerous other options. The goal is to start thinking about the potential for this type of threat and how to plan for your family's safety. Uh, it seems obvious that the people we thought were looking out for us simply didn't consider it. Well, they're talking about the government. <laughs> they've never been looking out for us. They've been looking out for ways to destroy us. Um, other than that, they're, you know, it's all good. Um, all right, let's go further here. Uh... Okay, let's go ahead, I'm on page 15, I'm going to try to get, I'm going to stop here, shift gear slightly again, and then hopefully do the fourth and final part here. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part four.